G'day listeners, you're tuned to Soundwaves, a podcast that explores the nexus between surfing and music and the nefarious spaces in between. Between the wave and the rave, between the heaving shack and the martial stack, between neoprene and spandex, the mosh pit and the death pit, fiberglass and vinyl, the boogie and the board, between Brian Eno and George Greeno. So wax up your stick, crank up the stereo, paddle out into the secret sonic surf spot that is sound waves tales from the shack 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 yo captain dazza stanley j nermelston <laughs> it's it is jay today um how, how does this fine day find you i'm at the end of mine and you're at the beginning of yours it's a cracker of a well, i don't even know what day it is um it's friday morning it's cracker out there i think there's some good waves but uh i'm in um self-imposed uh isolation at home so uh, is that, no surfing for me right is that because your um religious beliefs have uh are punishing you for having um, sampled too many of Huey's delights lately, or uh, for yeah. other reasons? No, nah, just uh, just just centering myself. Um, no, another more week of, of uh, contemplation, and then I think I'll be ready well, to hit the waves. Again. You know, um, restraint and um, uh, minimizing the uh, the carnal lusts. That's got to extend to um, to surfing, right? You know, it's exactly. It's, you got to um, keep them a Exactly right. Exactly mm. right. Too much, too much surf gluttony out there. Too many people getting their bloody, getting on bloody um, play, planes and getting barreled off their nuts. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, I tell you, the one thing you don't want to do is read those articles. I just saw one the, the other day about the the random people who've been stuck in perfect surf spots for the last four months and there's some dude and his daughter in Nias um, have been there for the last four months just getting you know crazy empty barrels but anyway well, I, 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 I haven't been to Nias but I think as a no, goofy same. as a goofy foot I, I, I would probably prefer to I don't know if there's other ways around but I would probably prefer to be stuck somewhere else perhaps but I, I think as a goofy, I think for a backhand barrel, it looks semi-easy. It, does, it doesn't look like a hard wave. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, guess if it's, I guess if it's like six foot, perhaps, 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 but um, yeah. yeah, above that. Nice. Uh, but maybe yeah, no, right. that, and actually, maybe that's just the um, perfect time to totally master your backhand tube riding. <laughs> that's right. And you know, this, how old was the daughter of this? She's probably like one of these 12 year olds who is now can yeah. fully get shacked on eight to 10 foot knee ass, you know? Yeah. So it's entirely depressing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but uh, on, the, on the flip side, there must be some people who've been, um, you know, stuck in places where the waves are absolutely shit all the time. <laughs> That's right. There's no one writing articles about that. That would be more interesting, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you 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 haven't surfed obviously today because of your uh, um, sacrifice to the gods. Mm-hmm. How about you? 
about you? Yeah, I had I had a uh, a little session uh, at the local this morning, and it was yeah, it was fun. Not kind of two three foot, very uh, foggy actually, and okay. very glassy. Uh, little pulsing swell. There's a few little waves, nothing of any uh, note. But the the uh, the forecast is looking good for the next week. There's Ooh, there's nice. movement. Um, off Newfoundland, which is always uh, always a good thing. That's the is that the the optimum kind of swell direction, or is it just uh, well, any, yeah anywhere between anywhere between uh, eastern Canada and Ireland is good here because it means you get long period swell and good weather. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Good having said that, having said that, um, uh, last time we recorded there was a little run of swell which was being generated from one of these many uh hurricanes down off florida yeah, or, yeah, you know. mm. so that's also good as well and that's actually that has the added bonus of uh having nice warm water because as you can imagine the water coming down from newfoundland ain't too warm a little bit chilly yeah do you, do you but, get um the fog so bad that you can't surf has that ever happened to you no, no, rocked no. up and you can't surf because it's you can't see yeah, a few times. I mean, it, we get lots of fog. Uh, it's that kind of classic um, West Coast. I mean, where I am, it's not, I guess it's not dissimilar to, to kind of San Francisco area, really. Mm. And the, the geography of the area is such that there's, uh, there's a lot of land sticking out into the ocean with lots of water around it. And yeah, so you do get quite a lot of fog. Um, right. I mean, I've been out a few times where you just go, fuck it, let's go out. And um, yeah, one, one time was completely disconcerting because I remember uh, getting out of the water and uh, because it got too, kind of got too thick to kind of see. And yeah, I was literally about half a kilometre from where I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> you really do, you, we really do use... Uh, you know markers and and whatnot to keep up keep oh, ourselves sure. in. even when you don't think there's a current there's mm. always a current right yeah you're always moving uh well it's particularly your break uh the main one can get pretty rippy hey but um no very rippy it's funny because i was watching a little bit of the uh whatever the ridiculous sponsor is for this particular round of uh competitions at uh, South Stratty, and um, it well, not only did it look like, but they were even talking about how much it's like my uh, local. So yeah, oh, and you could they? see, yeah, they were. You could see the um, there were a few drone shots, and they were those kind of uh, beach break where you know you get these kind of well upwelling rips yeah. that just form instantly and all of a sudden you're sitting in a fucking uh you're sitting in a whole load of churning sand <laughs> you know? oh mate i had that at your break where i i thought i was in the right spot then next thing i just turned around or just sort of realized that i was in one of those rips that yeah, and they just churn you and spit you out about half a mile out to sea and you have to <laughs> yeah. you know, or, oh, it's, or, it's or or actually i mean or actually, and your 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 break when it's pumping certainly does this as well. If you if you fuck up on one and then you're in the kind of fairly shallow uh, water, 
but you just can't move. You get like, you know, you cop a whole heap of waves on the head, but you just can't. Yeah. You can't, you can't go in and out anywhere. You're just going to take it. Yeah. Uh, it's all part of the, the fun. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, um, a surf is a surf, and and one yeah. must not complain. This episode, what what are we gonna um what are we gonna call it? What are we gonna what are we gonna do with this one? Well, I, I guess the uh, the working title um and it may it may change is the shapers and the producers. What the people that make the magic happen behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, yeah, I like the idea. The, of that that's the, good. Um, behind the, the behind the scenes maestros that. Pulling the the musical and surfical uh, strings because mm. there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes of both music and surfing, which I still don't know about, or you know, I probably should know more about. Especially with surfing, like I still a lot of the design elements of boards and even some of the terminology still mystifies me a bit. So we'll hopefully we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever watched anyone's shape a board? No, no, that's no, not 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 like maybe just like stuck my head in, you know, had a quick look. Yeah, same, same. Maybe maybe that should be a maybe that should be a part of every surfer's uh, uh, surf education that we're we're all um, uh, not made, but we're all encouraged to uh, go and watch the whole. Uh, board building process from start to finish. Oh, okay, yeah, watch it. I think yeah, yeah. Some people say you should at least shape one board yourself, but like, like nobody says about tennis. Like nobody says you should make your own tennis racket. Like, well, nobody says you should fucking produce your own album. <laughs> Maybe it's a little uh, middle child bodger. He um he actually found a blank on a council cleanup and he shaped it. Um, he, he kind of probably shaped, it's probably a common mistake. I, I'm guessing that it just kept going a bit too far, so it yeah, it ended up as a dashboard, um, <laughs> a little key ring. Um, <laughs> but no, he did a pretty good job, a nice swallow tail. And I and and so he, he got me on board when he went when glassing came along, like and I was like, oh my god, so so I actually I've glassed a board, and that is and with you know my technique and limited Ugh. equipment it, it actually it actually worked like it it was pretty rudimentary um but like i think people do say you can't you can you can do it it's going to work to some extent unfortunately this board was too small for me to surf it just didn't have the volume but uh, um oh, look it looked pretty good i'll, I'll stick it. So what it, it it ended up being like a uh a, a 7.5 liter three two <laughs> pretty much I think it was about like a five six, but it was super thin. Uh, MR, <laughs> you know, like middle middle bodger. He grew out of it, you know, because he's he's ten times. Well, he's huge. He's he's a strapping yeah. lad. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, how, how good? Just sorry, just a, an aside. How good is Australia? Um, what can you not find on a fucking council cleanup? I remember our um, our good oh. mate um, and ultimate frother. Uh, ultimate Brazilian frother, Bobby. He um, he he was blown away when he first came to live in Australia because he just thought, he said, if that was in Brazil, literally, as soon as you were walking out your door with that stuff, people would be fucking grabbing it out of your hand. Because you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was watching one of the Billabong films 
uh, maybe it was Sick Joy. Sick Joy. What a what Sick a joy. What an amazing name for a film. Um, but Margot won the uh, Heritage Heat, and um, not only was Margot surfing very well as he always has done, but um, he looks like uh, he looks like D'Artagnan. Um, he's got this just. He's got this crazy grey, like almost white, but you know, very uh, salt and pepper goatee moustache combo going on. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty radical. Yeah, interesting how and and actually uh, another Billabong person, uh, Louis Egan. He oh, yeah. and Margot, in some ways, he and Margot were kind of the uh, the mirror opposites of of each other. They had that very uh, kind of feet close together but super powerful at the same time kind of uh, style and you know both tube mongers and very oh, yeah. very uh, very stylish surfers yeah. i'm going to give a top two at least top two for today uh shapers and uh producers but um yeah i i, I love rusty because i love oki and oki and rusty it was just a Oki Rusty and a blue and pink peak spring suit just went <laughs> together so well. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hard to beat, really. Well, um, I mean, Oki, I mean, you know, he's the obviously the eternal Grom, but um, his his Rusty period was, um, yeah, was pretty. Actually, uh, thanks to the Encyclopedia of Surfing, I learned today that Rusty, shortly after he formed rusty he had been shaping for other brands like gordon and smith and a few others um he shortly after he formed rusty he put a rusty underneath the feet of a 16 year old mark Ocalupo. no way well there you go yeah, well, yeah. Um, there you go and 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 rusty Prisendorfer, the man himself designed the rusty logo no way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think that Rusty's up there for um, memorable, uh, <laughs> iconic surf logos. For sure. All right, that it's was... all about the shapers and the producers, the, the men and women, although I don't have any women on my list, um, the men and women behind the men and women. Nice. Okay, I like that. All right. Um, well, this is a little soundbite that might uh, be um, relevant. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. I absolutely love Gene Wilder. He, there is an, a crazy song by Aphex Twin that uses that sample. Yeah. Two producers and two shapers. Cool. And um, you know, if you ask me the same question tomorrow, maybe I'll pick two different ones. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> my two producers are George Martin and Lee Scratch Perry. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and 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 my two shapers are Maurice Cole and Rodney Dahlberg. Wow. Okay. Um, 
Gee, I mean, I've, I I didn't pick just two, but I suppose I actually had George Martin down on my list just for, for one song in particular. Um, so maybe we could talk about um, for me, Steve Albini. You know, you weren't you weren't thinking of you weren't thinking of Ricky Martin, were you? <laughs> uh, uh, I always think of Ricky Martin. When I wake up. <laughs> especially when you're in, especially when you're in self-imposed quarantine. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I I, I chose uh, well Steve Albini. He's huge um, for a huge number of bands. Um, couple of others I thought about Nick Sansano he did uh, some summer sonic youth and, and public enemy for to name oh. a couple um, Phil Spector uh, yep. just he's just oh god um, and Quincy James was huge but I won't you know I don't, I don't know much more about them <clears> than just their names but I suppose um, for me um, Brian Eno as a producer pretty pretty cool I saw a really good Brian Eno photo today, actually. I'll put it up on the Instagram. It's fucking, I mean, it's when Brian Eno was in his kind of uh, androgynous, alien alien in spandex mid-70s phase. Yeah, fantastic. Shapers, I had a bit of trouble thinking of, like, shapers, but I, well, hang on. It's got the coffee coming in. Coffee okay. oh, how good is that? Hey, Mrs. Podger. Hey. Um, I'd really like to talk about Greg Weber and his double concaves <laughs> and Simon Anderson and his thruster um, in context with the, the Campbell Brothers Bonza because I, I'm a bit oh. confused about what came first, what what is the difference between the Bonza double concaves and you know, all that stuff. So... Were the original Simons? Were, there wasn't any concave involved, was there? It was just I don't factor. think so. I think I, look, then this is where it'd probably be great to eventually have a have a, a shaper. Um, oh, we we, we need to get <clears throat> we need to get Hayden Lewis designs on uh, to uh, or, or Luke Short to school us. Mm. The, yeah, uh, they um, yeah. I mean, God, because they. I mean, Luke shaped alongside. Um, I think Greg Weber and, and the like uh, with Insight. Yep. Um, Hayes, he's just <coughs> a, um, oof, an, an artisan. The only reason that I have chosen George Martin um, is because the Beatles for me, uh, I mean, if, if I ever have to make a list of <coughs> my favourite anything that anything in the world the beatles are kind of at the top of that list um and they're you know certainly from a musical perspective they uh for me at least they're they're like so far ahead of everything else that um yeah Mm. george martin just had to be had to be there and you know he well he produced everything that they did that's pretty crazy (laughs) isn't it I mean, a, per- a perfect example is the, if you listen to the uh, LP of Abbey Road, the whole second side of Abbey Road is essentially one song. And in that one song, um, there's the Beatles kind of invent a whole, they, they basically, and I think Abbey Road is like 67 or 68. 
they basically invent glam rock, eagles kind of country rock, um, and a, and a handful of other things in the space of you know it's, half a record. It's crazy, isn't it? And you yeah. know, and 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 they uh, what I think was it the white album? It was a Hel- Helter Skelter. I can't remember what that was on. You know that. No, that the, was kind yeah, of, the white album. Yeah, yeah. You know that they've kind of like heavy metal. They've kind of Well, for me, for George Martin, there's one song Tomorrow Never Knows, I don't know if you know the song, um, is, well, I was really late discovering this song and it's, and apparently it's one of the first uses of reverse um, tape loops where they actually um, sampled the guitar, I think, and played it backwards. I think it's the first time they did that. It's one of the first songs to only use one chord. It's pretty much just a C chord all the way through. It's got this because it's all about meditation and the oneness of the universe. So they've just got this one chord and this sitar droning. The drumming is nuts and I'll just play a little bit of it. I just love that drumming. I mean, that drumming is pretty much the Chemical Brothers. Is every song they do is based on that song? I think. Well, and in fact, in fact, the Chemical Brothers have uh, a song called "Tomorrow Never Knows." Well, there you go. Um, <clears throat> and a, another little uh, factoid about, <clears throat> excuse me, "Tomorrow Never Knows." Um, uh, Noel Gallagher is so obsessed with the Beatles, obviously. <clears throat> but tomorrow he... never knows. <laughs> You'd never know. Um, tomorrow never knows is his favourite Beatles song, and um, wow, it uh, on one of their one of their uh, hits. I can't remember what it is. Um, tomorrow never knows that it doesn't. Oh, okay, it. so they, they... what's the story? Morning glory. Yeah. Right. So, right. Um, <clears throat> tomorrow never knows is it's an it's almost like an attack, isn't it? Mm. And, uh, and you know that Ringo is is a much maligned figure, and, and uh, that drumming, particularly on Tomorrow Never Knows, is is completely innovative. It's so yeah. good. But George Martin produced, I mean, he produced everyone from Rolf Harris <clears throat> to Ella Fitzgerald. Wow. He produced he produced Goldfinger by oh, Shirley Bassey. Um. Yeah, he produced Wings. We, we won't hold that against him. Um, Little River Band. There's an Aussie connection right wow. there. Wow. How's this one? This is a blast from your childhood past. He produced Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. Oh, my God. And wow. Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Ooh. Michael Jackson. What Ooh. was Macca doing? Yeah, a few, few clangers there, but yeah. But... Can't hold that against him. He's got a pretty good record. Well, and and, and uh, last but not least, George Martin produced, and I've never heard this song, but it sounds pretty saucy. And I love, I love the guy, Kenny Rogers' "Morning Desire." <laughs> I don't know the song, but 
I'm going to immediately listen to that when we finish this. That sounds so good. <laughs> Oh, I listen to her breathe and it makes me want to wake her up and tell her that I'm on fire. With morning How How's the era? Like, I was from, say, I don't know, I don't know where you'd start, say 66. Yeah, I, I hate being this, you know, sort of a, a nostalgic. That was it was much better back then, dude. But fuck, from say six <laughs> to eighty one. So what's that? Fifteen years in surfing and music. Can you think of a time where things, you you know, you start at sixty six and think of the changes in surfing? Like that was the start. I don't know this, when you officially started <laughs> the short footy era, um, but it yeah. must have been. I think it was at sixty eight or whatever and then you go all the way through to you know getting shortboard shortboards and then you get the um twin fin you know memar getting his world titles and then simon anderson with his um thruster to say yeah. 81 or whatever that was winning bells that's a 15 year period like 15 years ago 2005 what's different now <laughs> i don't know uh, a little bit longer perhaps um, yeah and um uh fortunately cardi b didn't exist is that the is that your backup cardigan <laughs> exactly right that's good boom boom, boom. yeah but, um, that's, but you know yeah, what I mean. that's the must that's the mustard yellow one that you don't want to wear too much uh but you know what i'm saying though, you're, you're device... right because Revol revolver came out in um in august 66 and uh you know, that that really kind of was the first time that, well, no, you can, actually, it wasn't the first time that the Beatles demonstrated the fact that they were on serious amounts of drugs in a good way. Because mm. I think that things like, uh, I think Rubber Soul had a few <laughs> examples of, um, right. you know, dabbling Norwegian wood and, uh, sorry, I'm just going to open a bottle of wine. No, go for it. Oh, there it is. This country is just ridiculous. This particular bottle of wine is extremely nice and it's from a well-known region of this lovely country and it cost me one euro 99. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, yeah. No, no, your, your little, um, your not little, your huge idea of that 15 year period is really very, very interesting. You could argue that the last, you know, the last 15 years, although, um, probably not uh, in terms of kind of quantum leaps of, uh, of design. The last 15 years, we've been just inundated with a whole range of different mm. uh, shapes and styles, right? I suppose, <clears throat> yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, you might argue that the, the quantum leap that happened uh, between 66 and 81 in surfboard design was realistically only for the fortunate for a fortunate few um maybe that maybe that's just the way that surfing was uh mm. uh or is but at least the the kind of ride everything um movement that is more ubiquitous now or yeah yeah has been in the last 20 years perhaps that's uh, it, it gives people 
it gives your average Joe more of an opportunity to ride different things. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. <coughs> but it's interesting because uh, I just saw a little clip on the interweb about, I can't remember the guy's name. I think he's a pretty good longboarder. And he was given a, I think it's from Evolution, the surf movie. You know, so it was a Wayne Lynch style. I think it was shaped yep. by um, uh, Skip Fry. You're right. Did you see that clip? Um, I did. It's like, it's like, it's got a V all the way through the whole yeah. board, right? And this guy's obviously a good surfer. And he, he's the first wave he caught, he fell off straight. It just fell flat in his face. Well, he, he, almost headbutted, he, was, he almost headbutts the board as well. Yeah, he said it was um, Devin, Devin, Howard. Devin Howard. Yeah, and uh, he said it was the hardest surfboard he's, to ride he's ever surfed. And that was what they were ripping on in that in that era. Obviously, you'd probably get used to what you're riding, and, and he did say maybe better ways it would go. Um, but I suppose when you're starting off at that level of design, it's only going to get better, and it obviously did, you know. Um, but. Hey, that that um that skip fry V bottom. Um, it's interesting because the the guy Devon Howard, the guy who's surfing on it, he is he's the kind of test pilot for this the uh, Channel Islands mid length that we've been oh, talking about. He did mention that board, didn't he? Um, yeah, that's right. Concave. <laughs> and um, I mean, if you you know you know if you're talking about shapers of enormous influence you you, you gotta you gotta think that al merrick's um gotta be up there somewhere right if you put curran slater lisa anderson pretty good uh, well, those three at least in, into uh into the mix that's a lot of world titles right there if yeah. that means anything that was an interesting point that going back to uh that 15 year period between 66 and 81 and my comment on uh, the surfboards being kind of, yes, there was huge innovation and I totally agree with you, but maybe it was for the select few as opposed to the masses. That's the kind of almost the converse of, um, uh, you know, a lot, well, let's say George Martin's work, um, whereby, you know, the Beatles were the biggest thing since sliced bread. I yeah. think that there is, there can be a uh, comparison made between um channel islands and the beatles and uh in in as much as they are extremely popular but that doesn't mean that they lose any sort of quality apparently with that uh tomorrow never knows when that came out they were all worried that people would just freak out and it was just too different um but the public loved it they, you know right. that that it was it's interesting i don't know if it was because it's the beatles they're prepared to uh accept it or whatever but um i think you're right it, it was still it was out there but it was still well made and it had um you can experiment but the experiment the result still has to be good i suppose if you yeah know, absolutely I mean, yeah and and you know likewise with channel islands i mean obviously lots of other uh shapers will fall into this as well lots of other brands but you know, Channel Islands have a ridiculous amount of output, particularly in the last kind of decade, in terms of the models that they have. Mm. And I mean, I've owned two, three, three, maybe three different Channel Islands boards. And they're some of my 
most favoritestest boards ever. Right. Yeah. Just because they're supremely functional. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, you've you've got. We've talked about it. You've you've got one or two, don't you? And yeah, and I've, I've got to say, I mean, the middle mar- middle uh, <coughs> Bodger boy again. I had a go of his um, board once. And I thought it was too high performance for me, but it actually went really good. There's a, um, uh, so the fever is the problem in so many models. Was a fever, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that went pretty well. That was, um, yeah, I snapped it. Sorry, Sorry about that. <laughs> you you did a snap on it. I, I snapped it somewhere. Can't remember where I snapped it now. Ah. Anyway, but he snapped one of mine first. So how, how good how good how good that must that feel when you. Your dad snaps your fucking brand new stick. Well, yeah, but he snapped mine first. That was the thing. He 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 took my board. Didn't ask. Uh, so but, that was, um, it, was a pay, it was a payback. It was a payback. Was a payback snap. snap. It was a re-snap. Um, a snapback. That's like my sister. Uh, I remember I had a BMX. I loved it. it was a kick-ass BMX. But then I got another BMX, which was even better. And my sister oh. on Christmas Day, my dad had obviously taken my old BMX and totally painted it and put in, the, you know, those those grips with streamers coming out of them and uh, yeah, all yeah. that kind of shit. Probably some spoky dokies would have been in there as well. And um, <clears throat> the look on her face was less than amused, I would say, on Christmas Day, poor oh. thing. She realised that her brother's bike had been refashioned into her Christmas present. Oh, wow. Wow. Very deflating. I'm going to go for a board builder mm-hmm. and um, someone that I've kind of become interested in over the last year or two, mainly due to his personality and his love of rave caves, um, uh-huh. is Maurice Cole. So, uh, you know, Maurice Cole. Uh, obviously well-documented life um, of mm-hmm. uh, adventure and largesse, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, really, really interesting shaper in his own right. Um, talking about the V cause he's, um, he's into the reverse V, right? Can you tell me what that is? No, explain it. I can't. <laughs> I, can't tell you. I can't tell you what it is, but I know that that's his big thing. And I know that, um, the current board of from that, that, that uh, off back. the wall, off the wall shot. I, I believe that's an, a reverse V. Right. I mean, I, I could be. I, I believe thought... he's also he's got, he, he he's sorry. I, I think I believe he's got a board, which is your. It's a one board quiver. Oh yeah, we spoke about called. this before. That was the, the the Vishnu or something like that, or some some Greek some Hindu god. It's called the Shiva, the goose, does up many, many, ah, yes, yes, yes. many headed and, uh, and And I believe there's a lot of reverse me in that. Okay. I don't know if that's on, is that on the deck? Is it in the fins? Like, I, assume <laughs> it's, I, I assume it's on the bottom of the board, but that's about my limit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, well, that's why we've got to get a shaper on. But I, 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 the way I thought the reverse V worked is you have concave through the, the main part of it, maybe to a double, then sort of back near behind the fins almost, it starts turning into a V back. Hey there, mate, you back section. You your modesty is uh your modesty really is um far too strong because I'm now looking on the uh, Encyclopedia of Surfing 
and it says um, Cole's reputation shot up in 1990 as California pro Tom Curran won his third world, world, world title while using Cole-made boards. The following year, Cole made Curran a board with reverse V, putting a slight V-panel concavity in the tail of the board instead of the usual convexity. And the design feature soon became a shortboard standard. All right. Okay. So I still don't go. get that. So when you say reverse V, it's actually concave V. Um, yeah. So well, we'll have to, yeah. Okay. We'll, get, we'll have to get a shaper on to clarify that. But, well, um, but, interesting. but as, as George Martin um, uh, recorded anyone from the Beatles to Shirley Bassey to uh, um, some other people, uh, mm. Jerry and the Pacemakers. Nice. <laughs> Um, Maurice Cole, obviously shaped for Curran, mm. uh, Barton Lynch, Kelly, Tom Carroll, Oki, Taj, of course. Um, I think Taj, you know, when he almost won many of the titles that he almost won was on, uh, yeah, Maurice Cole's. And but how about just the fact that he was a good surfer himself and obviously shaped for himself? Do you, do you think you need to be? a good surfer to be a good shaper? You think you need to be a good musician to be a good producer? Yeah, that's a good question too, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the producers, I don't know about George Martin, I don't think, I mean, he obviously went on to write Game of Thrones, which is pretty cool, but... Um, <laughs> well, he, put, he put a couple of he put a couple of initials in his into his name and he thought that would throw everyone off. <laughs> grew a beard, he, he grew a beard and then fucking... And wore a little and hat and got fat. <laughs> Um, but, uh, what, like Steve Albini was, is in, um, a couple of bands, Shellac and uh, Big Black. Uh, yeah, yeah but it is interesting. I, I, I don't, well, Brian Eno, classic example of a producer. Um, well, I mean, Lee, as I said before, Lee, Lee Scratch Perry, um, <clears throat> not only did Lee Perry, uh, produce, Everyone from Bob Marley to um, the Beastie Boys to the Clash to the Orb. Oh. Um, yeah, Lee, Lee Scratch Perry, who's currently 84 years old, <clears throat> he live is just an absolute phenomenon. You, at that stage, he was wearing, he looked like one of those um, scarecrows that you see, uh, you know how farmers they. They cover things in old CDs because apparently the CD... Uh, yeah, reflects uh, the light. Yeah, so he walked out onto stage just covered in, like, dangling CDs. Um, yeah, and he's... I mean, he's... He's just insane, but in an in a extremely interesting way. So, well, may, And maybe there, maybe there is a parallel between the Lee Perry uh, Black Ark records black art studio um method and what was happening in that kind of uh plastic fantastic uh era um mctavish nat young um greeno kind of mm. uh, shape your own stuff uh at the back of your back of your house because i mean basically people would like lee perry was producing things and changing things from day to day people were 
as you can see, even in um, even in Morning of the Earth, people are were getting aboard, riding it, taking it home, sanding the fins down, sanding the fin half off, you know, putting a bit more uh, edge on the the bottom of the you know on the on the rails. A whole maybe there is a parallel to be made between the two things. Well, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that a lot of shapers apparently started off uh, probably more, I don't know if it still happens today, but where they rip get an old board, rip off the fiberglass and then shape it back down and, and, get, and end up with a new new board. Dub music, I'm a, I'm a huge dub fan and dub music is essentially stripping back, stripping the music back to kind of bare bones, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a pulsing beat, really, um, you know. Because Scratch has a song and a rhythm of his own. Because it rockers. When Scratch begins a session, first he balances drum and bass for the basic rhythm. Ghetto music, always drum and bass. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's definitely a parallel to be made between a, uh, uh, you know, a, a no frills backyard board and uh, Lee Scratch Perry. Uh, and another, Lee Scratch Perry is such a unique individual. He um, he got really, really famous and popular um, through his own music, but particularly with Bob Marley, as you can imagine. And then one day he decided he would burn his own studio down. <laughs> uh, yeah, why? What? Well, I don't know. He's just—he's just that kind of guy. He's, um, you know, that absolute freak of nature. So. Did he? Did he record the the results of the burning? <laughs> maybe, maybe that, maybe he did. Wow, that's amazing. And and what? what well, and then I think he moved. Didn't... I think he, I think he then moved to Switzerland. I mean, I I, I know there's a, quite a few shaping uh, operations that have burnt down, but I don't think any of the shapers are intentionally. Uh, uh, cremated their life's work. I yeah. think Switzerland, I believe Switzerland for its many uh, fiscal um, benefit benefits um, is the kind of, it, it does seem to be the, uh, the last resting place of many artists. But, so Lee Perry's there. I mean, which, which probably goes to show he's made a fair amount of money. I know that Tina Turner's there. Uh, Phil um, Phil Collins is there. I'm sorry to lower the tone. But, actually, uh, what, no, I, I, I like I don't mind Phil Collins. But well, um, while you're on Phil yeah. Collins, can I can I read you a quote? And you can this could be part of a, a sort of a sub quiz. Um, who's who said this? I would only wear a tie dyed T shirt if it were made from the blood of Jerry Garcia and the urine of Phil Collins. <laughs> And I, I sure, I'm sure he means Genesis era Phil Collins, not um, not uh, no jacket required era <laughs> Phil Collins. Um, wow, uh, no, I have absolutely no idea. That's a beautiful. That was, quote. Uh, Kurt Cobain said that. Pretty good. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, mm -hmm. That's cool. Nice. Well, um, well, can I can I just can I have a little talk about the shapers that I've been thinking about? So, like I mentioned, that, so you've got Simon Anderson, obviously credited with inventing the thruster. Yes. Um, 
you know, and obviously went on, you know, obviously an amazing surfer in his own right. And um, then you got Greg Weber, and I, I actually listened to a great, um, I, you, I think you put me onto it, it was a Beach Grit um, podcast. Yeah, terrible, pod, terrible podcast, but... Um, no, don't listen to it. Good. Listen to this. Listen, don't listen to that. Um, did you listen to the Greg Weber one? Yeah, absolutely. That was nuts. But did you hear about a couple of interesting things where he said he, he I don't know if it was a dream, but he was visualising when he came up with, the I think, the double concave idea, he was visualising the board as it went through the water. He, he almost mentally went yeah, underwater. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah. thought that was pretty amazing how he, he, he mentally went underwater and, and sort of watched the board um, moving through the water in, in yeah. his mind. But he, so he talked about the double concaves, but you know, then when you look at the Bonza, when did the Bonza come out? I mean, that 70, that, mid seventies, that had double that not, it wasn't just the fin setup. It was the double concave, I believe is part of a Bonza design. So I, I'm, I'm not sure what the difference is. I think with the right. Weber design, it also involved increasing the rocker and so it was almost like a balance between okay i'm going to increase the rocker to increase the maneuverability or whatever um but to increase the the speed and the, and the acceleration i'm going to put the concave in and the, the single to double to to counteract that that's yeah. the way i yeah. understand yeah. the way concave works um, well, I mean, and there, yeah. there's a, a there's an interesting little link to, um, I mean, Shane Herring, <clears throat> one of the uh, the 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 star the mm. stars of Australian surf of the nineties, the, the the star that Wunderkind, yes, the Wunderkind who burn brightly for a short period and then faded very much um and may well be enjoying his life at the local rsl these days as many people do nothing wrong with that hopefully um still surfing. but he he obviously rode um those weber boards uh incredibly well there's an interesting um uh, there's an interesting little clip online maybe it's on the uh Maybe we'll be on the Encyclopedia of Surfing <clears throat> of Hero on one of these banana board double concave Webers. Yeah. And he's surfing the south end of your beach. Wow. And he is absolutely tearing the shit out of it on wow. this. I mean, this board is, it's, mm. almost, it's, like one of, it's almost like one of those longbows that people used in the middle ages you know it's like it's just it it, it looks so so weird and, to, to and of course that. being the 90s the board looks longer than it should look but herring is is putting it into all sorts of mad mad positions at that oh. southern end of, of your beach it's really yeah i'll try and dig it up because it's fucking insane well i remember seeing that was it the coke contest it must have been a similar time i remember thinking he is the fastest surfer at you know at that time you know and i'm just on my memory i just remember thinking how fast he was surfing it was absolutely incredible yeah. and yeah to be up against slater and out surfing him i think was um yeah nuts um well uh, um uh, and harrow there were two shanes that dominated aussie surfing to an extent at that 
stage uh, to Wunderkinds. Um, there was Shane Herring, obviously, and Shane Powell. Going back to our um, shapers, you know, Hero uh, surfed for Weber, uh, who we will talk a bit more about, but Powley at the time surfed for Rusty. Wow. Um, and uh, I've got a little, I've got a little uh, anecdote about Harrow and Powley. So either the year, it was, must have been the year after um, I got maced in Hossegor, I was at Lackenau, um and the competition was on. And uh, me and, me and uh, I was there with a couple of guys and we'd been surfing and... Um, we were hanging around having a few beers in our van as you do as when you're living in a van and um, Harrow and Powley came up and had a few oh, wow. beers with us and had a few joints with us and Powley was in the quarterfinals the following day. Wow. How'd he go? Yeah. Uh, I think he might have, I don't think he, he obviously he didn't win it, but um, yeah, I think he may have got to the semis or, I mean, Powley just, as far as I'm concerned, he was one of the best surfers ever. Such a good style. And riding those uh, those rusties, he poof, just mm. really, really. And he was in, um, going back to the surf vids, uh, Powley's in Feral Kingdom. Absolutely ripping. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Bon bonzers. Yeah, so yeah, it's interesting with those bonzers. Like... Um, there's a great picture of, of Taylor Knox. He's doing this insane turn on on a bonzer. I don't know if you've seen the picture. It's a, you, know, you Google Taylor Knox and bonzer, it's, it kind of comes up. But there is. This is what I always ask or think about. Is so many people talk about fins and fin design or whatever on placement, but in that turn, there are no fins in the water. So. What if what a fin's got to do with it? Once you once you're that far on the rail, it's it's all rail. It's all it's all about the rail. Yeah. So that I just find that an interesting question. I don't know the answer to obviously because I I don't know bugger all about design and fins, but uh, I just think that's an interesting question. Um, well, I and I and I reckon that the um, the. The Campbell brothers may well be uh, not getting the kudos and recognition that they deserve. I'm sure they don't give a fuck because they seem to be extremely cool dudes. Did you know that they, if you follow them on Instagram, they pretty much every week or every couple of weeks, they put out playlists of um, awesome music. But they have their own kind of uh, radio station really? online. Thing that no they, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So definitely, <clears throat> anyone out there, follow them because they're um, extremely, extremely interesting. Another shaper that I did a little bit of uh, investigating um, because of one particular surfer is Glenn Minami. Okay. To not know much about... The, actually, the, the main reason I, I, uh, I chose Glenn Minami is because I was trying to find something that rhymed with... Steve Albini, and I thought Minami Al Albini, they kind of go together. But Glenn Minami um, shaped ha has has shaped for many many people, and I'm sure that lots of pros get uh, guns off him when they go to Hawaii and blah 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 blah. 
but the two biggest uh, points for me were the fact that he um, shaped those classic, all of those classic town and country twin fins that Danky, Aloha and Potts used to surf. Wow. Marvin Foster, yeah. did he ride for them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And probably, probably guys like Bertelman and uh, Liddell and all these kind of guys as well. Right. Um, but then he left TNC. I mean, how? Talk about fucking into our logo. How fucking mm. epic is oh my the TNC logo? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I never knew... I learned about the yin and yang through town and country. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Yeah. <clears throat> but then, but then, but then, he um, started up Blue Hawaii. And of course, um, he basically shaped all of the boards that Potts just fucking went on a tear on, um, right. on his uh, world... I mean, Potts had basically wrapped up the world title, you know, fucking not even halfway through the season. No one could catch him. He was that. He just came out of the gates just yeah. with his leather jacket and his ringlets and his earrings and his fucking blue Hawaii's <laughs> and his gotcha, gotcha gear. I mean, oh. nothing was cooler than 1989 Potts. No. Did you... Um... Remember when he came to our school? You remember no. that? Oh, well, no. So he was out surfing um, uh, at the Batic Hedge. So the girl in our year who, who didn't really surf a lot, but she was out there. So I think she lived there too. And she was surfing and not, not a great surfer, which is not her fault. And she got in the way of pots. And Potts um, absolutely lost his shit and just started abusing her. And like, she's like a teenage girl and he's this huge gorilla. And she, I think, started crying and, and went home. And her parents said, you know, like, what, what, what happened? She <laughs> oh, this, this big hairy man started yelling at me in the surf. <laughs> and, so she, and the parents were just mortified. They go, oh, there's this ticket. Anyway, they somehow managed to um, find out who it was. And they must have got in touch with the school and then the school got in touch. It all kind of uh, blew up. And um, sort of to make amends, Potts and Tom Carroll came to our school and gave a talk on, on um, I don't know how this was supposed to make amends. They just came and just, just talked about surfing for a couple of hours. Um, I suppose to, uh, to, mend, to heal, heal the wounds. Yeah, yeah. Well, I reckon that I reckon at that time Potts must have been managed by. Remember, Tommy Carroll had that oh, manager, Peter yeah, Manstead. Yeah. yeah, it was very eighties. So I, I reckon manager. that I reckon that someone someone must have got on uh, Peter Manstead's um, brick mobile phone. Exactly. And, yeah. um, I can picture him driving around with his top down. He would have had a he would have had a Porsche. I'm sure he would have had a Porsche convertible. He um, was eighties all the way, right? I don't have many. You've got lots of good stories about other surfers. Pretty much all my stories involve Tom Carroll. Oh, mate, yeah. if there's going to be one surfer to, you know, if, if I could choose any surfer to have lots of stories about, it would probably be Oki, but um, Tom Carroll <laughs> would come. Well, you've Tom got, Carroll yeah. would come. Tom Carroll would be up there in the top three, I reckon. Can I just talk about Steve Albini very quickly? 
I have a quick rant. Um, it, uh, Instagram, you can go fuck yourself because I put Surfer Rosa on Instagram and it was, wasn't was even a good photo, of, you know, a rip-off photo off the internet. And yeah. on the cover of Surfer Rosa, there's a beautiful pair of breasts. Mm-hmm. And these were tiny. In the grand scheme of things, on an Instagram post, they were tiny. And the fucking gremlins in the fucking Instagram banned my post because there were naked boobs mm. on the fucking... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an iconic cover. I mean, you're allowed to put you're allowed to put hate speech um, up, but uh, bare breasts, female breasts, oof, forget about it. No. On one of his albums, he um, uh, big black album, um, where he is a quote from him on the album. It just says, "The future belongs to analog loyalists. Fuck digital." <laughs> um, and I, I, I just, it just reminds me of what your your old man said uh, on one of his. He said, "Oh, he goes, I love all the music you're playing, just not that stuff that's made artificially or something like that." <laughs> yeah, that so. His output is just out of control. Like in one year, in in 2004, he produced literally fucking I don't know about 25 albums. It's crazy. Yeah. And I like his, he doesn't take royalties. He takes like a, a fee to do the work, but then he doesn't take any ongoing royalties because he, he says, look, I'm just here to do a job. Uh, and then then it's it's yours from then, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Was, yeah. Um, so that that's pretty cool. And, he's, and, he's, and also, he's also been quoted as saying, pop music is for children and idiots. <laughs> But he's also produced some of the raddest band names. How's this? In 2004, he produced a band called Leftover Crack. <laughs> and Leftover Crack. And the album's called Fuck World Trade. Wow. Yeah. I think this is an Albini one. Uh, they're called Cocaine Piss. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But then he's produced like Cheap Trick, for Christ's sake. But he did, he, he actually um, produced an album, which is pretty much why top ever albums. Um, this, this album is, is just, it is, yeah, is, I've been obsessed with this album for like about 10, 15 years and I, I, I go through stages where it's all I listen to. It's kind of like a cross between Neil Young and, I don't know, old Neil Young and young Neil Young and just everything great about American kind of civilized rock whatever the whole place is dark every light on this side of the town suddenly album is called magnolia electric company and okay yeah yeah um, um and the, the the other interesting thing about albini is that he has and and like a good shaper like rusty Priesendorfer, will you know rusty you could argue that rusty's almost had more um 
well, an, an equal amount of successful surfers who are Aussie than, um, than American. Um, Albini has produced, you know, any, everyone from, um, you know, seminal Americans like Cheap Trick to Jarvis Cocker, the Manic Street Preachers, uh, you know, he he doesn't mind what side of the um, of the pond he's uh, well, he's right. producing. Well, and and another fantastic um, band name, uh, Joan of Ass. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, it's time for your favourite quiz show. Who wants to be a spawned surfer? And here's your friendly host. Who rode a Rusty to a world title in 2001? And the, uh, the clue is 2001. Oh. Would that have been CJ Hobgood? Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> And where I, were you? Where, where were you when you saw the towers go down? Well, I can't remember, but I remember where I was when I found out CJ Hobgood won the world title. Because <laughs> I, I can't remember where it, it was on the radio or something. And it, I don't know where. And I just went, I said to Garth, I went, CJ Hobgood just won the world title. I said, who's CJ Hobgood? And he just went, exactly. <laughs> he's now just, um, I, I recently found out he's... Uh, taking his real estate agent license in Orlando, Florida. Nice. It, it does seem to be the, uh, the natural trajectory of the ex-pro is the uh, real estate market. Talking the talk. Um, <laughs> can, I, can I hit you with a question? Absolutely. Okay, so who said this? What amazes me is surfing magazines. How people can still be writing about the act of riding a wave 10,000 issues later. Surf riders must be some of the greatest bullshit artists. How do you write about surfing? Is that a shaper? No, sorry, it's not. I've got to say it's going to be uh, Mickey Dora. No, it's, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't keep you suspense. That was John Frank. Um, oh, it's nice. a quote from the, the, the new Ace Tone magazine, which uh, is coming out by... Uh, from the Kidman um, stable, so that that should be a really interesting magazine. But uh, well, actually, also, well, he's just John Frank's just bought Surfing World, right? Oh, really? Okay, well, there you go. With with with, with Sean Doherty. With, uh, oh, wow, that'd be interesting. And obviously, you know, you've seen Surfer magazine's demise, which is quite sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, Tracks magazine, I think, just turned fifty, so it's quite an interesting uh, period of change, perhaps. <clears throat> But but that but but for, with that quote, it inspired um, somebody else to come back with this quote, which I love. It says, "Writing about music is like dancing about architecture." <laughs> hey, I don't know if you've ever been to Brasilia. Um, you could dance about the name Neymar. What's his name? Neymar. Neymar. Some architecture or a bit of Le Corbusier. I reckon I could dance about yeah. a bit. Of could you dance? Yeah. What dance would you do to a like a surfboard shape? Could you do the twin fin? Ooh. A twin? I reckon a twin. Well, 
just be looser, the, wouldn't it? <laughs> from the epoch, from the epoch where it was uh, popular, you've got to be doing some sort of um, dance that you would see on, I don't know, Repo Man or um, uh, you know, one of those one of those kind of early eighties um, real uh, sort of Devo style. Exactly right. Devo is it. That's it. So you, you, it's a kind of it's the classic kind of uh, Aussie pub rock, um, half uh, epileptic fit, half karate kind of um, dance. That's what I'll be doing. And like the single fin would be like Stevie Nicks in, in some flowing robes and. Um, oh yeah, um, uh, uh, Kate Bush, Wuthering Heights. Oh, you've nailed it. What band does Butch Vig play drums in? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Uh, it's a, it, it, oh. The band had the band had uh, had had quite a bit of success, I, and I never liked this band. But um, oh, I think uh, was it garbage. Yeah, well done, mate. Well I think done. I liked one of their songs and then quickly, I think Stupid I even girl, bought one of their albums. Stupid Girl. Maybe, yeah. I think, and then I, I think I actually bought one of their albums and just realized what a horrific mistake it, that was because it was pretty shit. Um, but yeah, but, wow. But it, does, it, does prove, it does prove that Butch Vig is one of, the, one, of the, one of the many, or not one of the not so many, Maybe like the Terry Fitzgerald who can uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Terry Fitzgerald, God. Um, he, imagine the music he'd make. Well, I mean, and, and you've also got that, um, how not only would he dance his own tune, but he's, he's also got the uh, psychedelic artwork to top it all off. Back it up. I tell you what, I was so jealous of um, my mate JV back in the day. He could skate. Um, he could, because we grew up on the on the top of a hill, which I, which was disastrous for my skating. I, I just couldn't couldn't ride a skating to save my life. But JV, he could do the Terry Fitzgerald bottom turn look back on a skateboard. Just, <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? You know that J bass. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. That that oh. I mean, when you see when you see Terry Fitz at like pranking J Bay or something, and he's just like, Wah. Oh. What impossible to ride Weber shape did Hero make famous? Well, we've we've talked about this. The, oh, what what do you call it? The, is it the potato chip? The it's a, it's another food substance. Banana. The banana. Hey, hey, yes, yes, yes. Cool. <clears throat> all right. Um, uh, all right. I've got a couple more. Um, what Aussie pub and surf flick legends did Butch Vig produce in 1991? Aussie pub. Oh. Is it the Celebrate Rifles? Oh, you're very close. If if I was to if you were going to do a, a, a 
a game of band association, Aussie band association. And you started with celibate rifles. And I said, no, who would you go to next? Oh my God. Cosmic psychos. Exactly right. Oh my God. Well, there you go. You're on fire, mate. You're on fire. And the, the name of their uh, album was blokes. You can trust. <laughs> so good. There's a, they're a great band. There's, I've got this little clip um, for, about the um, about Aussie rock. Um, this is from Ray Arn of the Hard Ons. Can I can I play it? Absolutely. See, so, hold on. Here we go. I guess if you had a slouch hat with corks hanging off it, you could get over there, and there's a fair chance you're going to get a gig. Let's face it. When the Hard Ons go to Europe, we're very proud to be Australian, and I'm not talking about. You know, the Australia Day celebrations with all the yobbos going crazy, driving around yelling at Indian cab drivers, not that kind of stuff, but we're very, I mean, you know, we can go to Spain or France and go, what bands do you have? But we've got X, Birthday Party, Cosmic Psychos, Celebrate Rifles, Radio Birdman, should, should I keep on going? The Saints, ACDC, Rose Tattoo, Easy Beats, Masters Apprentices, The Purple Hearts, should I keep on going? These are the bands we have, and we've got this much people. Right, Belgium? All right. Who do you have? You've got all these beers. That's great, right? You've got waffles, but what do you have in the way of rock and roll bands? So we're really proud to be Australian over there. It's fantastic. And Cosmic Psychos, that's a band you can just pull out and go, this is a great Australian band. You like that? That's an awesome... <laughs> yeah, that is. How, how mate, how, how uh, serendipitous is that? Um, I may be... Uh, I may be entirely wrong but i believe that mrs uh pepperoni pizza scorchio 69 at hotmail.com went to school with ray really i think wow. so wow well, that, that's amazing mm. we'll have to have her on the show yeah, I, might be, I might be completely wrong about that but there is there's definitely some sort of connection with ray yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So uh what a great band and um going back again to a previous episode hard-ons Artwork, mm. insane, mm. absolutely so insane. So good. All right, um, uh, I'll, I'll give you two more questions. Um, uh, name three surfers who rode for Rusty. Oh my god, three surfers who rode for Rusty. They're all pretty good at this. Well, actually, um, no, three of them. Three of them we've already talked about in this you, episode. You, you've kind of told me, haven't you? Is it Shane Powell? Yeah. Um, Michael Romelsi? Oh, yeah, right. Is that one out? Um, does Letty Mortison ride for Rusty now? I don't know. Um, no, there you go, right? Maybe. maybe. That's, no, that's it. I'll just lock those in. I don't know. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, you, you, could have, you could have also said Peter Townend. Oh, well, how? Uh, Sean Thompson. Oki. Oh. Taylor Knox. Powley. CJ, of course, and Jamie O'Brien. Wow. Among our team. Among our team. This is a, another audio quiz question. Uh, who, who is talking in this uh, little clip? Tony Alva cut me off on a wave when I was 15 years old, and I've never forgotten it. It still bothers me. Can you believe that? Something that stupid would still kind of get under my skin? I'm a goofy foot surfer. I took off. He looked at me and took off. And he rode the wave entirely in front of me, never kicked out, never gave me a piece of it. I've never forgotten that. 
Okay, so the guy's a goofy footer who was around in the... He said Tony Alva, right? Tony Alva dropped in on him. I mean, I could put you out of misery because it's probably not easy to tell. Ted Ted Robinson. (laughs) So close. That was uh, Stacey Peralta. Um, Ah, yeah. That's from a doco. If you look it up, it's great. It's a Tony Alva story. Our... uh cultivator and purveyor of all things um, surf history, Matt um, Warshaw, I believe was Tony Alva's best buddy. They hung out, they used to hang out together on the pier at uh, back in the day. <clears throat> well, there yeah. you go. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, last question. Last question. Uh, Butch Vig and Steve Albini both produced albums from which seminal band? <clears throat> oh, um, I'll get. I'll go with uh, Sonic Youth. I know Bushwick did Sonic Youth. <clears throat> well, um, that's a seminal band for sure. But it's another seminal band that were around. At, well, Sonic Youth have been around for a long time, but yeah, uh, the Pixies. No, it's actually uh, <clears throat> Nirvana. Oh, Nirvana. Cool. Yeah, so Butch, Butch Vig uh, produced Nevermind and uh, Steve Albini produced In Utero. He often gets called Butch Nevermind Vig because, I mean, you're not, you're not going to live, you're going to find it hard to live down um, producing Nevermind, right? That must really annoy them, I suppose, yeah. Can I tell you, I'll tell you a Nevermind story. I um, bought the album when, uh, just as they were becoming very, very popular. uh, And I think we've talked about this before, but I just missed out on seeing them at the local venue, called the venue. Um, And I've never once listened to the whole of Nevermind in its entirety. Really? Is that is that no. just because you don't want to? I don't know. I just I, I you know, at the time I was into I was into a whole load of stuff, but I don't know. For some reason, Soundgarden were better to to me than uh, Nirvana or Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, for me. That, I didn't like Soundgarden. Nirvana, Nirvana, and of course, you know, of course, your um, your Sonic Youth or mm. like Mud Honey. I was really into Mud Honey at the time, and yeah, uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Maybe it was Kurt. I didn't like anything after Nevermind. I didn't like In Utero. Actually, when I first heard Heart Shaped Box, that oh, I hate that song. I, you know what I mean? It sounded like just a bad version of Nirvana. What? surfer would ride for um george martin <laughs> okay wow that's such a good question um there, there has to be an answer to that uh if george, if george martin was shaping boards what surfer is gonna it, it, it has to be i mean <clears throat> it has to be someone with amazing pedigree right yeah um would it be Wayne Lynch? Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, Definitely. 
Um, Who else would there be? I mean, it has to be someone that is that maybe, I don't know, would Jerry Lopez, would he ride for, for George Martin or is that just too... Martin surfboards? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, one, other, one other question. Um, what musician would ride for... Um, <laughs> yeah, what musician would ride a Bonza? There you go. I reckon Frank Zappa. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you picture him on a Bonza? Can you? I can just imagine him on anything that would look weird. <laughs> yeah. He would, be, he, he would be so. And that that photo you sent me today of uh, the the Frank Zappa toilet that the piping leads directly into the TV is just um, it's gold, all, isn't it? It's pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely. He, um, he, he, uh, he definitely um, foresaw social media in all its glory. Its glory. Um, <laughs> uh, can, I, can I hit you with one more quiz question? This is one producer we haven't, even, we haven't, uh, we haven't touched on yet, um, but I'll just play the sound bite. Hopefully it's all coming through okay. Yeah, you got some sound bites. Love Martin! it. Historic moment. Uh, do you know what movie that's from? Um, I know that the the person who wants the record produced is. Um, oh, I just had a complete blank. Um, it's Tony Wilson. Yeah. Uh, from from Factory Records. Uh, and is he is he speaking to? It's not the producer of um, uh, not New Order. Who was before New Order? Uh, is it Joy Division? Yeah, yeah. So basically, he's he's talking to in the, that scene. He's talking to Martin Hannett, and Martin Hannett's on a hill recording Silence, um, and um, he went on to produce obviously um, Joy Division's um, stuff. Um, and fact, uh, if I know we'll do an episode of this, um, <clears throat> uh, we've got a few uh, to come up, but record labels and surf labels because factory records, uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with factory records and that, that film, I forget what's the actual film called? 20, 24 hour party people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Factory Records, because I'm a, an absolute diehard um, fan of the Happy Mondays. And Factory Records for me are just, it's gold. That record, that record, that film is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So good. And I think like all of these episodes, it just seems to, every episode seems to just open up more cans of worms. So many, so many worms, so many cans. Um, we, do, we do need to find a uh, <clears throat> some sort of sign-off um, uh, thing to say, catchphrase. But um, yeah. oh yeah, like um, see you out in the water. 
Stay classy, San Diego. Um, All right. Stay glassy, San Diego. Ooh, I like that. Stay glassy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Soundwaves. We hope to have you back very soon to continue our exploration on the collision between barrels and tunes. Just remember, as Nietzsche said, we should consider every day lost on which we have not danced at least once. And we should call every truth false which was not accompanied by at least one laugh. Go get shacked. Yoop.